What's up, guys? Welcome to tonight's call, call number two on goal setting. So I know you guys all might have showed up for a goal setting seminar, but what this seminar is really about, it's about two things, uh, two words, really. Well, the first word is Y-O-U, you, and the seminar is about helping you achieving your goals. And the second is about the word really. And the word really as you'll learn here uh, over the next uh, 45 minutes to an hour or so, uh, you'll learn the word really is about commitment. It's about energy. It's about enthusiasm. It's about definitely getting what you want. And now a little refresher from my first session. My name is Tyler Pazik. I'm a mental performance coach specializing in confidence, communication, leadership, and I help people get better on-field results through proper prior pre-planning preparation and perspective and so let's get into goal setting so to start i want to tell you a story about this guy named milk campbell now milk campbell might be literally the best athlete to ever live he's from plainfield new jersey he won a silver medal in the decathlon before he was even a senior in high school and so he was second in the world before he was a senior in high school and then four years later he literally won the gold medal in the decathlon. He won the he won the decathlon and he was the first African American to win the decathlon. And when he was asked afterwards, you know, what made you so good? He said, "Well, my coaches told me that when I had a goal, write it down on a card, like a business card. And the secret is not specifically what you write down. The secret is you want to keep that card with you wherever you go." So, 24 hours, seven days a week, keep that goal card with you. And you want to keep it on you 24 seven. You want to put it in your sock at practice. You want to put it under your pillow at night. You want to put it in a plastic bag when you take a shower. You know, you want to be with, you want that goal to be with you 24 seven, 365. And he said that was one of his secrets to success because it was a constant and continuous reminder. Now, when I was at graduate school at uh, TCU, I had to write a thesis on mental toughness and anxiety. And so what I did was I got this three ring binder and wrote mental toughness and anxiety on the cover of it. And I carried that around with me literally everywhere I went and people would notice and they'd say, you know, oh, what are you carrying that three ring binder for? And I'd say, well, I have to write this thesis. And every once in a while they'd call or text or email me or say to me, oh, well, you know, I saw this article or I know this person or I saw this thing on TV. And it allowed me to accumulate all of this information on mental toughness and anxiety and ultimately write a great thesis. So the thing is, is the world wants to fill a vacuum and I created a vacuum and the world conspired with me to get it done. And that's what you're doing with your goals, right? When you pick a goal and you set it up correctly, the world conspires with you to accomplish that goal. Now, there's this guy, Mitch Horowitz. He wrote this book called Definite Chief Aim. And uh, once you know your definite chief aim, the world conspires to help you get it. So, you know, you can be a paranoid person, for instance. A paranoid person thinks that uh, the world is out to do them bad. Or you can be a reverse paranoid person. And a reverse paranoid person is a person who thinks the world is out to do them good. So when you do things like Milk Campbell or you have a three ring binder, setting goals and achieving goals really is not difficult. It's much easier than not setting goals because if you don't set goals, well, 
Like if you don't set goals, say you go to uh, say you go to an airline at the airport and they say, where, where are you going? And you don't have an answer. All right. It's going to be pretty hard to get there. But if you want to go, if you say, oh, I want to go to Chicago and I want to be there by 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning, then, well, you know, they can help you out. So the more clearly we focus, the easier everything becomes. And so, you know, if you have a goal like I want to be happy, right? I want to be happy. That's not a good goal. Sorry to say, but that's not a good goal. That's not specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, or timed. And maybe you've heard of SMART goals before, right? Those are what SMART goals are. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timed. Um, I want to be happy is not a SMART goal. It's not specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, or timed. And I mean, how do you measure happiness? But when you say, I want to do 100 push-ups consecutively 90 days from now, now that's a specific goal. Or I want to have $100,000 in the bank one year from today. That's a specific goal. So, you know, these, these SMART goals, you take the SMART goals and you keep them with you like Milk Campbell 24-7, 365. Then you're really, really serious. And I heard this story about Nick Saban when he got the job at University of Alabama. He knew specifically what he wanted. He wanted to bring a national championship to Alabama. So the first thing he did when he got to Alabama was he wrote a letter to everyone in the department at Alabama. He said, I've been hired to bring a national championship in football to the University of Alabama. I am really focused on this goal. So please do not stop me in the hallways or at lunch for small talk. I don't want to be a mean person, but I don't have time for small talk. I have one definite chief aim, and I don't want anything to get in the way of that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that's a serious person. You see what I'm saying? So from the very beginning, he said, this is the lane I'm going down and don't get in my way. I just don't want anything to deter me from my definite chief aim. So my my high school strength coach, he had this sign in his office that said, if you really want to be a champion, then the work is no problem. Of all those words, I want you to take a guess. Of all those words, only one was italicized, you know, to give, to emphasize it. You know, what word do you think that was? Again, if you really want to be a champion, then the work is no problem. Well, you know, if you said the word really, then you're correct. You know, some people, they might say, oh, you, or some people might say work or, or, um, you know, champion. No, it was really. Because if you want to be a champion, if you really want to be a champion, that's the definition. Everybody wants to be a, a champion, but is everyone willing to come early and stay late? Is everyone willing to do more than expected? You know, that's what differentiates people. So if you really want to be a champion, then the work is no problem. You know, if you really want to get into medical school, then the work is no problem. If you really want to be a millionaire, then the work is no problem. So the problem isn't the work. The problem is, are you going to be committed to the work? Because everyone knows what they have to do. Everyone knows what the coach wants them to do. Are you going to do the work willingly or are you going to do it eagerly? And eagerly beats willingly every single time. So now you have your goals, right? Goal setting is easy. Being excited about your goals, 
bringing energy to your goals, that's the difficult part because anybody can set a goal. You know, like uh, there's a story about this guy, Mr. D'Amato. And every year on this man's birthday, he goes to the doctor and gets a checkup. And so every year he comes to the doctor and he goes into the room and he takes off his clothes and the doctor checks him out and yada, yada. And the doc says, all right, put your clothes back on, meet me in my office. And uh, so they meet in the office and the doctor says, you know, Mr. D'Amato, you come here every year on your birthday, don't you? And, uh, you know, he says, yeah, of course, doc. And he goes, what year is this? Well, doc, I'm proud to say that I'm uh, I'm 100 years old today. And he goes, whoa, you're 100 years old today. That's amazing. I mean, you're 100 years old and your heart, you know, your ticker is in better shape than mine is. And you're twice my age. So how do you keep yourself in such great shape? And Mr. D'Amato says, he's like, well, I walk five miles a day. And the doc says, every day? And he goes, yep, every day. And the doc says, well, how long have you been doing this? And he goes, well, 45 years. And he goes, and how many days have you missed? And he's like, uh, I haven't missed a day in 45 years. He goes, wait, so you're telling me that you walk five miles a day every day for 45 years and you haven't missed a day? And he's like, yeah. And the doc goes, well, what do you do if it rains out? And Mr. D'Amato said, he goes, uh, I put on a raincoat. So that just shows you how easy it is right? Most people, they'll look for any convenience to get out of walking or to get out of studying or to get out of training or to get out of video. But Mr. D'Amato was really serious. I mean, how difficult it is to walk, how difficult is it to walk in the rain, you know, like not difficult at all. So I have a pretty good system for uh, helping people reach their goals. Uh, say, say they're a baseball player. They say, you know, coach wants me to hit for an hour a day on my own. And I have, I have trouble doing that. And I say, well, I mean, I can help you hit for an hour every day. And they go, well, how are you going to do that? And I say, well, here's what I want. Here's what we're going to do. You know, do you have like a group or an organization that you really, really hate? And, uh, this guy goes, (laughs) one guy told me, he's like, yeah, I really, really hate the democratic party. Just not a big fan of that Joe Biden guy. And he's like, Oh, well, uh, and I said, do you have like $2,500, $3,000 in the bank? And he's like, yeah, just about that. And I'm like, okay, here's what I want you to do. Well, I want you to make a checkout to the Democratic Party and send it to me. And uh, every single day after you hit for an hour, I want you to call me up and tell me, hey, I hit for an hour today. Today is Monday. And then the next day, hey, I hit for an hour today. And today is Tuesday and Wednesday and so on and so forth. And the first day that you don't call me or the first day that you don't let me know that you hit for an hour. I'm going to put this check in the mail. And, you know, some might be like, oh, well, Pazic, you know, you're such a nice guy. You wouldn't do that. And I'm like, of course I would. I am a nice guy, but I also love a great story. And, you know, if he doesn't do it, then I put the check in the mail and it's a great story. And if he does do it and I send the check back to him, that's also a great story, you know? So every person I've done this with follows through because people do things for one of two reasons, either possibility of gain or possibility of loss. You know, it'd be nice if humans did things for gain all the time, but, you know, we're more motivated by threat of loss than by the possibility of gain. That's why, like, most athletes are afraid of losing more than they are of wanting to win. Uh, This guy called me up one time, and I did a seminar for his organization. He's like, you know, I do my best work in the morning, and if I could get up by 5 o'clock every morning, I would just get so much more done. But 
I have trouble waking up in the morning. And so I worked it out with him that I would charge him, uh, I charge like $200 an hour. And every day that he doesn't call me by five o'clock in the morning, then he owes me $200 an hour. And so, or he owes me $200. And so a full work week went by and he never called me. And he thought it was such a great idea, but he never got started. And it's because the start, it's the start that stops most people. It's like, what's the most difficult exercise to do at a gym? Go ahead, take a guess. What's the most difficult exercise to do at a gym? Just think of one in your mind. Well, I'll tell you what the most difficult exercise to do at the gym is. It's opening the front door and walking through it. You know, most people, when they're talking about goals, they put all this emphasis into how to set goals and how to have a really well-formed goal. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's just doing it. It's the part, it's the doing it part and the really wanting to do it. There's this guy, uh, Upton Sinclair, he wrote this book called The Jungle. And one day on a Saturday, he was at Harvard doing a workshop on writing for all these kids there. And, you know, he walks in, he's this dapper, elegant guy, walks in, opens up his briefcase and, and he says, how many of you really want to be writers? And, you know, everyone puts their hand up and he goes, how many of you really, really want to be writers? And everyone puts their hand up again. He's like, how many of you really, really, really want to be writers? And everyone puts their hand up even higher. And so he closes up his briefcase, he starts walking towards the door and he turns around it right about as he's about to walk out. And he goes, well, if you really want to be a writer, then go home and write. So, you know, he was going to do this workshop on writing and he felt that the best way to emphasize that if you want to be a writer, you have to write. So you have to write if you want to be a writer. You have to run if you want to be a runner. You have to shoot if you want to be a sniper, right? Some people say, well, what are some things that keep people from reaching their goals? And uh, I talk about these five simple words. Five simple words are to are the reason why it keeps them from reaching their goals. And those words are, I don't feel like it. So this, uh, this kid from New York that I was telling you about that said he was going to call me every day, otherwise he owed me $200. And then he just had a lot of excuses. And what it came down to was that he just didn't feel like it. So I don't feel like it is the big killer. And there's this guy, John Kenneth Galbraith, who um, he was an esteemed professor of, at Harvard in economics, wrote a ton of articles and books. And uh, late in his life, he was asked by a journalist, you know, what have you learned from a lifetime of writing? And he said, well, the one thing I've learned is the quality of writing that I do on the days that I don't feel like it is the same as the quality of writing I do on the days that I do feel like it. So basically, feelings aren't facts. You know, just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean your quality of work won't be the same. See, one of the one of the things that keeps athletes from doing and reaching their goals is this thing called psychological fatigue. Like, oh man, I'm so tired. Right. Well, the great Tom Fleming, who uh, was a two time winner of the New York City Marathon, was giving a speech one time and he told the class that he was going to run between 135 and 150 miles per week or that he used to run uh, between 135 and 150 miles per week. And one of the audience members asked, he goes, hey, Mr. Fleming, like, do you always feel like running that much? And Tom was like, well, actually, most days I don't feel like running until I start running. 
So how do you overcome the I don't feel like it's? Well, you put your body in motion. You put your body in motion and the emotions will follow. You take action and your attitude will change. You move and your mood will change. So you're going to lead the field, not only if you have a goal, but if you are adamant, if you are eager, if you are excited, if you are definitely committed to really reaching your goal. And if you don't do something to reach your goal every single day of the week, I mean, you're not serious about that goal. And if you're not writing every day, if you're not uh, following your nutrition plan every day, if you're not saving every day, if you're not saying, um, if you're not doing what you have to do every day, right? It's, you know, I'm not saying you're not a nice person. I'm just saying that you're not committed enough. And, you know, I've, I've given you a lot of information so far. Maybe I've given you too much information in the first like 20 minutes, a lot of stories, um, quite a few techniques, simple ones that you can implement immediately, uh, like smart goals and, and putting them on a card, having them with you 24 seven. Um, but if you think any of these things that I'm asking you to do is going to be too difficult, imagine how difficult it's going to be to compete against someone who is doing these things and you're not. You know, if you think it's going to be hard to practice on your own for an hour every day, imagine how difficult it's going to be to compete against someone who is practicing for an hour on their own every day if you're not. If you think getting nine hours of sleep every night is difficult, imagine how hard it's going to be to compete against someone who is getting nine hours of sleep every night if you're not. You know, so, so, you know, we talked about smart goals and, and how they have to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic in time, but let's get specific. So say you have a goal, like I want to be a starter by the time spring comes around. Well, is that a good goal? Well, it is and it isn't, you know, because you can't make yourself a starter. It's, it's hard to have a goal when you're dependent on somebody else doing something. But if you say to yourself, I'm going to train an hour every day until the start of spring. You can control that. You know, you want to control the controllables at the end of the day. Control the controllables. Maybe you guys have seen these videos, but there's a there's a couple of videos out there. One is the song Don't Worry Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. You know, the one that's like, oh, don't worry, I'll be happy. And uh, the whistling is like, But so we have that song. Then we have the Bob Marley song. Don't worry, every everything's going to be all right. My question is, is, is that good advice? And usually everybody says, oh, yeah, that's great advice. But I would argue that no, no, it's not great advice because you don't want to have no worries, actually. There's this uh, there's this study called the Termin Longevity Study, and it's one of the best studies on longevity of all time. And they found that people that lived the longest aren't the people that worried a great deal and they weren't the people that didn't worry at all. So worrying a great deal isn't good for your health and not worrying at all isn't good for your health. It's the people that lived the longest were the conscientious people who worried about things that they had control over. So if you have a test on Monday and tonight, if you sit there and you think and worry about, oh man, I wonder what the teacher is going to put on the test. No, you don't want to worry about that. Worry about whether you're going to study. Worry about whether you're going to read that article. Whether, worry about whether you're going to put in the time. Uh, you know, the secret 
is worrying about things that you can control. So you don't want to worry too much. You don't want to worry too little. You want to worry about the things that you have control over. It's kind of like Goldilocks, right? Like one porridge was too hot. One was too cold. One was just right. One bed was too big. One was too small. One was just right. One chair was too big. One chair was too small. One chair was just right. It's the just right for worrying that, you know, it's worrying about the things that you can control. The just right for worrying is worrying about the things that you can control. So if you're obsessing about everything in the world, I mean, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And if you don't worry about anything, well, then you're not going to be productive. So you want to control the controllables. Worrying about being a starter, you have no control over what your coach is going to do. You have no control over what the referee is going to do. But you do have control over your reaction to what the referee does. You do have control over how you respond to what your coach does. So worry about the things that you can control. Like worrying about how another person is going to treat you. I mean, you really have no control over that. Oh, or, you know, like I fly a lot around the country. So it's like, oh, I wonder if my flight's going to be on time tomorrow. I don't have control over that. I have control over whether I get to the airport on time, but I have no control over whether that flight is taking off. And when I, when I do get to where I'm going, you know, and I think, oh man, I, I wonder if my luggage is going to be there. I don't have any control over that. You know, I have control over whether I get on the right plane and, but other people, I mean, other people, they drive themselves crazy by worrying about things that they cannot control. And so that's why, you know, one of my favorite prayers is the serenity prayer. It goes, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So one of the things that you can do is you can write down on a sheet of paper, what are the things that I have no control over and just list them all out. You know, if you try to change another person, that's nuts because you're not going to change another person. But figure out the things that you have no control over and then figure out the things on a separate piece of paper that you do have control over. Then take the sheet with the things that you have no control over and throw it in the trash, throw it in the fire, burn it up, do whatever you want. But that one doesn't matter. Just throw it out. Get rid of it. Then take the sheet with the things that you do have control over and pay attention to that sheet of paper with the things that you can control on it. Because the bottom line is, you know, I mean, I'm giving you some like simple and amazingly powerful techniques if you use them. You know, I want you to be like Mr. D'Amato. I want you to have something. I want you to do something for your goals every day. I want you to write down one or two or three goals and have have them. And I want you to implement one of the techniques that I've talked about so far within the next 24 to 48 hours. Why? Why do I want it within the next 24 to 48 hours? Well, because if you don't implement them within the next 24 to 48 hours, then you never will. Like you might think you will, and you might have good intentions, but I mean, there'll be ancient history by then. So there are other types of goal setting. You know, there's this, uh, there's this guy, his name's, he, his name's Ed Agresto. And he used to coach football in New Jersey. And so in New Jersey, you start practice in the middle of August. So the second day of practice, it's like 100 degrees outside. And Ed comes to the field wearing a beanie on his head, a scarf around his neck, and a winter coat on. 
And uh, Ed's a pretty big guy. So his face is just like beat ready, sweating like crazy. Uh, all practice, he wore that thing. And at the end of practice, he goes over everything. And just before he lets everybody go, he says, wait a second, wait a second. Did uh, did anyone notice anything odd today? And one of the kids goes, hey, yeah, coach, like, why are you wearing a winter coat? Is something wrong with you? It's 100 degrees out. And Ed says, well, I'll tell you why I'm wearing a winter coat. And they all walked over to the flagpole and he hung it on the ring at the bottom of the flagpole and he hoisted it all the way up to the top. And he said, the reason I wore that winter coat up there is not for today. We're not working out for today. We're not working out for August 13th right now. We're working out for December 13th when the state championship game is being played. So every day when you come to practice, I want you to look at the top of that flagpole. And I want you to bust your butts today so that we can get to the state championship on December 13th. And so the winter coat was a reminder for them to make it to the state championship. So somebody might say, you know, like, oh, well, is, is that a good goal? You know, don't they want to, don't they want to win the state championship? And I say, well, yeah, but his goal was we want to make it to the state championship. So it all comes down to what your goal is and what you really want. This guy, uh, William, J William James, the, the father of American psychology, AKA Henry James, He's uh, probably the first person to teach a psychology course. He was a professor at Harvard back in like the 20s. And uh, he was actually a professor in philosophy, but he started teaching psychology. And he said, how do you start a habit or how do you stop a habit? Well, number one, you make a commitment. Number two, you make it public. Number three, you make it happen. So suppose you want to start running like Mr. D'Amato, right? You make a commitment that you're going to start running five miles a day. And then you tell everybody that you're going to do it. You know, I'm going to run. I'm going to train. Uh, I'm going to eat an apple every day. I'm going to study every day. Whatever your goal is, start telling everybody. And then number three, make a commitment, make it public, make it happen. And that's about as simple as it gets. You know, then you have that social pressure to actually do it. And you're not missing, you're not, you're not lacking the ability. You have the ability. You're not lacking willpower. You're not lacking focus. Uh, focus, meaning, you know, follow one course until successful. All you're lacking is a strategy. So like nutrition, right? Like there's a diet out there that works for someone. Every diet works for somebody. No diet works for everybody. So maybe before you set a goal for putting on weight, find the nutrition plan that you believe is going to work for you. Uh, before you decide to go to Chicago, maybe you should do some research on whether you're going to take a bus, train, car, or plane, right? Figure out how you're going to get there. I mean, that's part of the process. 20 to 30% is setting the goal. And then 70 to 80% of it is bringing that constant and daily energy to the goal. It's like New Year's resolutions, right? On by the time February hits, 80% of people that set New Year's resolutions have given up on them. They stopped giving that energy for the goal because they didn't know the how. They didn't know what they were going to do every day. And they didn't bring the energy and enthusiasm to every day that you need, you know, to continually strive towards that goal. Now, Using positive and negative reinforcement to achieve your goal is something that will also help you. 
um, say you have like a younger brother, like I do. Uh, my younger brother's name is Cody. And you're like, and you say, oh, Cody, or I say, Cody, you know, I'm going to be sitting at this desk today from one to 5 p.m. And if you don't see me working with my eyes open and on the correct application on my computer, or if you just catch me not working, I'll give you a hundred dollars. So every time you catch me not working, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And so that's a quick way with negative reinforcement to stay on track, right? Or positive reinforcement would be to say, I'm say I start work at one. And right before I start, I order a pizza to be delivered at 5 PM. And I tell myself, you know, if, if that pizza shows up and I did what I said I was going to do, then I get to eat that pizza. And obviously the other way around as well. If I don't do what I say I'm going to do, then I don't get to eat the pizza or Cody gets to eat that pizza. So that would be positive and negative reinforcement. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to ask my, I'm going to ask my crush out tonight. If I, if I do what I said, I'm going to do, or I'm going to go to the movies with them. If I do what I say, I'm going to do, uh, if you have to do something that you really, really want, you have to be honest with yourself about it. You know, you have, if you have to do something that you really, really want, but you have to be honest with yourself and say, if I don't do this, I'm not going to get this. Um, because being honest with yourself is is huge. Like that self-honesty piece, not enough people understand how important honesty is in the goal setting process. Most people just aren't honest about what they truly want, about what they really want. You know, the three most powerful words in goal setting are, I want that. If you're going to have a goal, spend most of your time figuring out the I want that. You know, I had this kid the other day that said, uh, I want to have the lowest ERA in school history. And I said, why? And he goes, well, I, I would just, I want to be a great baseball player. And I was like, well, why? And he said, I want to be a great baseball player. And I said, well, do you want to go to college? Like, do you want to play professionally? Do you want to make it to the hall of fame? And he didn't have a reason why he wanted to have the lowest ERA in school history. I said, Hey man, listen, like being a great baseball player is one thing but if you want to do this because you want to eventually play professionally that will be even more powerful so i want that when you can say i want that and you can feel it in your body it's not just in your mind you know when you say something like oh, i want to play in the nba i want to play for that team i want to be a millionaire by the age of 30 it reverberates all through your body that's how you know if you truly want that if you really want that um go on youtube and watch this youtube video called the strangest secret by earl nightingale what he says that you know what he says is that we become what we think about most of the time so we become what we think about most of the time and that's what milk campbell was doing right when you put your hand in your pocket and you got your goal card in there you're reminded of your goal uh, you can have it on post-it notes around everywhere, you know, reminding you of your goal. The more reminders you have, the more likely you'll stay on track. So make a commitment, make it public, make it happen. The more people you tell about your goal, the more reminders you'll have to stay on track. The less people that you tell or the less people that know about your goal uh, and the less people that you ask about your goal, the less people you have to remind you to stay on track. So that's what was so great about like Muhammad Ali back in the day. He literally told everybody. He didn't say he was just going to win the fight. He said he was going to knock him out in the fifth round. Now that's pretty specific. He was accountable to the whole world. You know, he was remarkable in terms of his goal setting. 
I had another baseball player from uh, North Chicago tell me one time, he goes, well, thinking about myself is uh, it's pretty selfish. And I was like, I'm, what? I was like, well, well, what do you want? And he's like, I want to be a surgeon. And I'm like, okay, what kind? He goes, a heart surgeon. And I'm like, well, how many people, how many kids, moms, dads are going to thank you for saving their spouses or their kids life one day? Right. Like Dr. David Visca, who was one of the first radio psychologists of all time, he would he would like solve all of the people's problems in four minutes. It was amazing. He said, the purpose of life is to discover your gifts and the meaning of life is to give your gifts away. So the first part of your life, you're discovering your gifts. What are you really good at? And then the meaning of life comes from giving your gifts away. So you could look at it as being selfish, but it's just as much if not more selfless to set a goal and go after that goal go after something that you really want you know one goal of every athlete should be to be a great team player it's not just working out harder on the team so that you can be the toughest person on the team it's to be a great role model for everyone else on the team you know it's not it's not doing for yourself it's what you're going to do for the team so it's not it's not what you're doing for yourself. It's what you're going to do for the team. And you need a goal in order to help the team. That's the ultimate unselfishness, right? That's the ultimate selflessness. Uh, the night before graduation, one of the one of the greatest football players in the nation, he knocks on his coach's front door and his coach's family is sleeping. And and uh, the coach says, he opens up the door. He's like, Johnny, what are you, what are you doing here? And he says, you know, coach, I'm not graduating from here tomorrow unless you answer a question. How come last year I wasn't captain of the team? And coach said, Johnny, you have a full ride to college. You were the best player on the team. Like, what does that matter? And Johnny said, no, coach, it matters. Why was Leo named captain and I wasn't? And coach said, well, I mean, Johnny, you were the best player on the team, but Leo was the best player for the team. So one of our goals, one of your goals is we're not just not just to be the best player on the team, but to be the best player for the team. Don't just be the best person in the organization, be the best person for the organization. Springsteen, in uh, about all of his concerts, he says at one point or another, he goes, nobody wins unless everybody wins. You know, if you have a goal and you have energy with that goal, then you're going to bring other people along. If I'm excited about playing in a national championship game and other people catch my vision, then they're going to be excited. I mean, you know, people talk about visions and having a vision for the future. Well, a vision is a goal and it isn't a goal. A vision isn't just a goal. It's a goal with passion and excitement. And a vision with gold, uh, a vision is a goal that brings along passion and excitement and brings enthusiasm into it. Your goals, they have to be, yes, they have to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timed, but you have to be excited about them. Anybody can make smart goals, but are you excited about it? Are you being honest with yourself about what you want? Because if you aren't being honest, then you won't be excited. And if you are being honest, then you will be excited. Then the thing from there is just willing versus eager. You know, are you willing to do this? Of course you are. 
I mean, that's what our school system is trained to do. You know, they they want you to be willing. They want you to be compliant. But are you eager? That's the difference. Are you eager to reach your goals and not just willing? Um, at the beginning of presentations that I do with teams, sometimes I tell them about this, uh, the 100 to 200% rule. And I'm telling you this 100 to 200% rule right now. You know, I tell them, if you give me 100%, I'll give you 200%. And they're like, yeah, right. But I'm like, no, I swear. Like, I'll prove it to you right now. Take out your phones. So if you're watching this, go ahead, take out your phone. I say, put this number in your phone. 847-922-1371. That's my personal cell phone number. And like, have you ever had a teacher or a person like come in to speak and they give you their cell phone number? Like, I don't think I've ever had that. All right, I'm serious. Like, if you ever think I can help you, you can call me. And I'll do everything to help you. So again, my number is 847-922-1371. Um, but now don't call me about your car because I don't know anything about cars. Don't call me about your financial problems um, because I don't have anything. I don't know anything about that. But if you have problems with confidence, if you have problems with communication, if you have problems with leadership, focus, performance, anxiety, I could help you with that. You know, it's the 100 to 200% rule. If if others give out 100%, you're going to give 200%. And look, these this session that you're on right now, these sessions are, are totally free. And uh, I'm not doing this to get more clients. But if you do think I can help you, you know, within my expertise, then I am available to help you. Why? Because I cannot be successful unless you are successful. And if these videos make you successful, you're going to tell more people and more people are going to watch them. But if you need more than just the video, if you need my personal one-on-one -on -one help, I am eagerly going to help you out because my goal is to die a mental performance coach. Now, you're going to have to pay for it, of course, but it'll be worth it, right? There's this old African saying, saying, if, uh, if you want to run fast, go alone. If you want to go far, run together. And when I look at the Olympic games and the Olympic ceremonies and they light the Olympic torch and they play the Olympic anthem and I'm looking at 8,000 athletes, I say, what do all of these athletes have in common? And, you know, they come from all different backgrounds, religions, nationalities. They're all different heights, weights and all different sports. But the one thing they have in common is that they all have a coach. So if you need a goals coach, then I'm your guy. Um, this uh, this person, his name's M. Scott Peck. He wrote this book called The Road Less Traveled. Anyone who has ever read this book remembers the first sentence of this book. The first sentence is, life is difficult. That's how he starts out his book. And he gave, he gave a talk around the year 2000. And uh, somebody asked him, in the last hundred years, what are the most important events that happened in this world? What are the two most important events that happened in this world? And he goes, without skipping a beat, he's like, well, number one is definitely man stepping foot on the moon. Man stepped foot on the moon for the first time and no one will ever step foot on the moon for the first time again because it's already been done. And the second most important thing that happened on this planet in the last 100 years is, and when he said this, I, like, I thought it was like really surprising that he actually said it. He goes, the second most important thing was the formation of Alcoholics Anonymous and all the spinoff 12-step groups. He said AA helped more people than has helped more people than any religion, any self-help group, any seminar, any book, anything. 
And the reason it's not better known is because it's Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, nobody talks about it. And so basically what is AA? It's a goal setting group. You go in, you set a goal, you get a sponsor, you go to the meetings to keep yourself accountable and stay on track. You know, everybody needs a coach. Your coach is invested in you and they can't be successful unless you're successful. I can't be successful unless you're successful. And if this goal setting seminar doesn't help you become successful, then it doesn't help me become successful. So I'm invested in your success. My goal is to help you set goals and achieve them. And ultimately by you achieving them, that is a selfless act. David Maslow, who created the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, he said that at the top, selflessness and selfishness melt away because you can't be truly selfless unless you are selfish and you can't be selfish unless you are being truly selfless and giving yourself to others. So set your goals and be selfish now with what you want so that you can be selfless later. You know, like how can you not want to be successful? If you set a goal to work out for an hour every day and you can't work out for an hour, set it for a half hour, set it for 15 minutes, have a goal, at least at the beginning that you're going to be successful at because success breeds success, success breeds success. Like if you want to graduate, here's the one goal you need to set. If you want to graduate, your, your only goal should be to go to every single class. And you might say like, oh, well, what about studying? What about note-taking? What about asking my teacher questions? If, I mean, if you go to every single class, eventually you will start studying. Eventually you will start taking notes. Eventually you will start asking questions. If you had a goal to go to the gym and just sit in the lobby every single day, you know, you're not going to work out. You're just going to sit there in the lobby every single day. Eventually you'll start working out. If you go to the library every day, eventually you're going to start studying. So Put yourself in situations where you're going to be successful, where, you know, you're around like-minded people. It's much harder to work out in your basement gym alone by yourself every day than it is to go work out at the local gym. If you want to run fast, go alone. If you want to run far, go together. You know, um, say you're on campus, right? And after class, you have a choice. You can either walk to your car or you can walk to the cages or you can walk to the gym to work out. Well, which one is going to help you get to where you want to go? Like just by choosing to walk down that road first, I'm not saying you even have to go to the gym. You just have to choose to walk down that road first um, before you can walk to your car, right? That is the one goal that you're setting. And eventually you're going to start going to the gym because you're going to be walking by there every single day. So then, you know, you'll start to get more of what you want. I mean, I hope you guys can kind of feel how excited I am about this, about goal setting and bringing energy to goal setting. But what if you're not excited? Well, then you fake it. Like you make believe that this is the most important thing in the world. If you're not excited, then you fake it. It doesn't have to be true. You just act as if this is the most important thing ever. And all you have to do is get through today. And if you can't get through today faking it, well, then can you get through an hour? And if you can't get through one hour, can you get through one minute? If you can't make it through one minute, can you make it through one moment or one breath, right? Can you, can you get through the next breath faking it? Um, if you can do that, then you can make it through the next breath and the next breath, and then you can get there. 
So make goals exciting, make your goals exciting. And when you don't feel like it, act like you feel like it, right? And making your goals realistic, well, making your goals big is one thing, but they have to be realistic to Y-O-U, you, personally, you. You want them to be achievable and realistic. So don't make them so unrealistic that you can't achieve them because again, success breeds success. So if you say like, oh, I'm going to start running today and I'll do a four minute mile 30 days from now. I mean, that's not realistic. Don't make your goals so big that you can't achieve them because success breeds success. Don't say I'm going to train for eight hours, just train for one hour. So what I want you to do is uh, one thing that you can do for your goals, because I'm, I'm asking you to do something every day for your goals. Right. What I want you to do is I want you to go to Staples and get a bunch of colored paper clips. And every day that you do your micro task to meet your outcome goal, every day that you, you know, you reach that stepping stone goal to reach your uh, milestone goal, I want you to put the paper clips together. So on day two, you attach paper clip to day, the day one paper clip. And on day three, you attach it to the day two paper clip. And after a while, you know, you have this long chain of paper clips. And what this is, is it's a visual representation of how many days you have continued doing your goal. So a year from now, you're going to have 365 paper clips, and that's going to be a visual representation. And that's going to make you feel good about yourself. You know, that's going to motivate you. that's going to motivate you. Inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yard by yard, by yard, it's a hard. If you can't do yard by yard, just do inch by inch. Do one paper clip at a time, right? So the other question is, when should you start? Well, there's this quote that says, uh, a year from today, you'll wish you started today. So why don't you just start today? Don't start tomorrow. Start today. Start within 20 minutes of us getting off of this video. You know, there's this thing called the pillow test. Every night when you put your head down on the pillow, your unconscious mind will say one of two things. It'll say, I'm glad I did, or I wish I had. And the more I'm glad I did's you have, the better you're going to feel about yourself. I mean, there's like 330 million people in this country, 30, 330 million Americans live in America. And every, and, uh, you know, every year about 2.5 to 2.8 million Americans die. Now, you know, they die of, I think the number one is like heart disease. Two is cancer. Three is unintentional injuries. Number 10 is like suicide, right? From my perspective though, the most serious disease I can see is spelled L-O-S-E, lack of self-esteem. And that means that there's no joy in their body. There's no bounce in your step when you have a lack of self-esteem. I mean, you're depressed, anxious, upset, and and once you set a worthy goal and start working towards it, you're going to have a reason to be alive. You know, most people are down, depressed, and negative because they're not going towards any worthy goal. So if you can find something that sets you on fire and makes you say, I want that, well, then somebody... You know, somebody once said, uh, the greatest force on earth is the human soul on fire. If you have something that you're working for and it can benefit you and it can benefit others, then your whole physiology, your whole psychology is going to change. And you're going to have a reason to get out of bed every morning and a reason to sleep easy at night. And you have to be eager, not willing. You know, there's nothing more exciting than a goal you're excited about reaching. 
Just like there's nothing more depressing than a goal that you're not excited about reaching. So my name's Tyler Pazik. My email is tyler at pazikperformancegroup.com. Every Tuesday through November 22nd, we're going to be dropping one of these seminars. And remember, I can't be successful unless you're successful. So every moment I put into these things, I'm thinking, oh, how can I help that person out in Utah? How can I help that person in Colorado, New York, Florida? You know, I'm going to do this to help you get to where you want to get. So let me tell, let me end with one thing, because, you know, earlier I told you that if you don't implement this stuff within the next 24 to 48 hours, then you probably never will. So let me end with a riddle. There are three frogs on a log and one frog decides to jump off. The question is, how many people or how many frogs are left on the log? Well, I've been using this riddle long enough to know that, you know, most people say back, oh, well, that's easy. You know, three minus one, that's two. The answer is two. But it's a riddle. It's a trick. The answer is three. Just because the frog decided doesn't mean that it did it. So you might say, well, oh, you know, I have 24 to 48 hours. I'll do it tomorrow. Don't decide to do it. Don't decide to do it tomorrow. Do it. And if you were up and I mean, if it were up to me, as soon as uh, this video ends, you would start working towards your goal immediately, immediately. Just put in 15 minutes or so. So here's the last thing I'll teach you. When you don't feel like doing something, do it for 15 minutes. When your goal is to run five miles every day and you don't feel like doing it, do it for 15 minutes and then you can renegotiate. You say, okay, I'm just doing those 15 minutes or you'll keep going. And usually a body in motion tends to stay in motion. You know, I worked with um, this um, elite tennis group just on the north side of Indianapolis a few years ago. And I taught them this 15 minute, this 15 minute rule about how if you don't feel like it, just do it for 15 minutes and then renegotiate. And these two athletes took that to heart. And after every practice, they were like, all right, we're going to practice for 15 minutes more. And you know, if we feel like going more than that, then we'll keep going. If we don't, we'll get out of here. But 15 minutes max of extra practice or 15 minutes minimum of extra practice. And by the end of the summer, you know, those two guys were playing in the championship match against each other. So in 15 minutes, right after this call, write down your goal, put it on a card, put it on your mirror, text 30 people about your goal, put it, uh, put your goal on a manila envelope and put that envelope next to your backpack and carry it around every day, all day for the next three months. Fake it until you feel it. Set up reminders so that you're reminded of your goal every day. That's what we got. Um, the next session is next Tuesday, September 20th at 7.30 p.m. Central Time on motivation and inspiration. We will talk to you then. See ya.